Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a trial and had to acknowledge that it was the direct result of sin? Listen in today as Pastor Draper shares the biblical perspective on sin and the results it can bring in this message entitled, The Devastating Consequences of Sin. Some of you still in recovery, you believe in lies, lies in commercial, anti-aging cream. You're going to feel better if you take this and if you do this and if you do that. And all that, you're going to have curly locks if you swallow a pill. You're going to grow half and they don't have none. Sin can become so attractive and enticing. Look at the devil here. Then the serpent said to Eve, you will not surely die. He's smooth lying to her. Isn't that like a smooth liar? He's a smooth liar. For God knows, Eve, that in the day you eat of it, underline this, your eyes will be open. She went open. What that mean? Ooh, something's going to happen to me. My eyes going to be open. La, 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 la. Your eyes going to be open. And you know what else, Eve? If you, if you partake of it, if you partake of it, Eve, you will be like God. Isn't that you? Think about that. You will be like God. That's pride, y'all. Yeah. She wanted to be like God, and she bought that lie. And oh, by the way, Eve, I tell you something else too. You gonna know something that you don't know now. You only know good. And she didn't know what evil was. She didn't know what. She never heard the word evil. She didn't know none of that. Uh, he said, "Not only you gonna know good, but you gonna know evil." And she probably said, "Ooh, goody, I'm gonna know evil." And she didn't have a clue what evil was. And you know, how many of you have been sucker punch by the devil's lie? Just sucker punch, you know, by that smooth line car salesman. And that person that said they're going to fix your car and the motor fell out. <laughs> person going to fix your plumbing and all that stuff. And all, and, and all of a sudden your whole water system is down. And on and on and on it goes. You better walk with God. And just because somebody look good. And you know, the devil doesn't come to you ugly. Ooh, he's enticing. Houston, that man with beautiful locks and wonderful physique, biceps and a nice ride and some money. And listen, you don't know what you're You You might need to get somebody that's short, half bald and can't walk for looking at his stomach. That might be the best man in your life. It is not who's cute. It ain't about who's fine. Because beauty is a fading glory. The Lord gives and the Lord what? Taketh away. When are you going to stop believing the smooth lies of that devil? God help me. Number three, God always judges impartially with justice and equity. God always judges impartially 
with justice and equity. A person receives exactly what he deserves and will never be judged for more wrong than he has done. You know, when God judges you, he gives you exactly what you deserve. He says, oh, I made a mistake. I, I hit her too many times. I chased him too long, too hard. God knows how to chasten you, and he knows the very degree to which he should chasten you. He does what he does with perfection and never punish you beyond the wrong that you have done. Psalms chapter 9, verses 7 and 8 says, but the Lord shall endure forever He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. Everything about God's judgment is righteous. And he shall administer judgment for the people's in uprightness. He's a perfect judge. And there is a judgment day. Therefore, it behooves us to get right with God. Number four, as Adam and Eve were held responsible for their sins, which resulted in their being judged by God, we too will be held accountable for our sins and chastened by Almighty God. You see, my friends, a holy God will not allow anyone to get away with sin. I reiterate, a holy God will not allow anyone, not me, not you, from the back door to the front door to get away with sin. God always responds in a way consistent with his character and his perfect moral nature. It's always consistent, always perfect. So all I'm saying is that as Adam and Eve were held responsible for their sins, which resulted in God judging them, we too will be held accountable for our sins. Be sure your sins will find you out. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, he chastens, just as a father the son in whom he delights. In other words, the word of God is saying here, when whippings are done justly and when they're done in love, it's for your own good. That's right. That's right. If you're a good parent, you will chasten your child. That's right. You don't just split around and then you're going to deal with their attitude. You're going to deal with their rebellion and you're not going to let them get away with wrong. Their consequences are grace, grace, grace. And after a while, they turn around and slap your face because you gave them too much grace. Your children need to know who's in charge at that house. But we live in a day where the, the children are ruling the parents instead of the parents ruling the children. And we live in a day where parents are afraid of their children locking their bedroom doors. Because they're afraid of their child. I'm not locking no door. That's right. And I'm not going to lay my religion down. I'm a Christian. But I'm going to get you good. <laughs> y'all ever had some good whippings back then yesteryear? Some of y'all can come up here with some wonderful testimonies of how you got it. That's right. You ever seen grandma take a, a switch and she start plaiting it? And she... And she's saying, your change is on the way. That's right. Today it'll be child abuse. Stop whooping your child on, on Monday morning. Whoop them on Friday. Give them a chance. Them bruises a chance to heal. You, you be down the courthouse. Whoop them on Friday. Put some alcohol on it. <laughs> you go down there all bruised up. The kid, my mama did this to me. My 
my daddy. <laughs> but it used to be a long time ago you messed up down at the schoolhouse. You catch it by the, the principal or the teacher. Your neighbors can whoop you, didn't even know your name. And when the neighbor told your mama you got on, you got three whoopings on the same day and nobody got reported. Government gonna tell you what to do. The government can't tell you how to raise a child. Amen. The government don't know what they doing. You follow this book on child rearing. When you discipline your child, you're driving the hell out of them. That's exactly what's in them. Hell, and you need a rod of correction to lovingly drive it out of them. That's what that fatty part back on the rear end is for, by the way. That's right. In other words, when God, have you ever been in God's divine woodshed? Have anybody ever been whipped by God, chased by God? I have. Have, have God ever got you and you know he was getting you? And you had to suck it up and just take it. And he, you know, oh God, who, who's whooping me? No, he lets you know who whooping you. He leaves no, there's no doubt about who's whooping you. Because much given, much is required. And God's whooping is a unique whooping. Man, so if you've had some of his whooping, you know you don't want to be whipped by God. And you ought to obey him and do right privately because if you don't do right privately, he'll humiliate you publicly because you, you didn't have enough spiritual sense to come to your spiritual senses privately. Wow. Number five. Instead of blaming God and accusing others, we must take responsibilities for our own sins, confess them, repent, and turn from our sins. I reiterate, instead of blaming God and accusing others, we must take responsibility for our own sins, confess them, repent, and turn from our sins. Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 says, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me. He blamed the woman for his wrongdoing, his sins. And he blames God. You gave me. And we're still blaming God today. She gave me to eat, God. She gave me the tree of the tree, and I ate. Verse 13. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you've done, Eve? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's his fault, in other words. My friends, John 1 9, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to keep short accounts with God. Short accounts with our sin before God. Psalms 51, 1 through 4 says, have mercy upon me, Lord. O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. What is transgression? Sins. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. What is iniquity? Sin. And cleanse me from all my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. And you only have our what? Have I what? Sin and done this evil in your sight. You know what? If we would only come to the realization that God is watching us in that hotel room. I mean, against you and you only. God is watching you when you somewhere with another woman, another man. It's not your husband, not your wife. And you think nobody's looking at you. God is watching you when you're out of town on business. 
But you got some play business up there on the side. He's watching you when you're in the military, even with rank and all that stuff that happened at Lackland with all messing with those young cadets. God is watching you when you take off that coat, when you pull off that dress and you getting ready to sit. If you, oh, God is looking at me. You start pulling things up, start putting back on. He said, I think we need to get out of here. God is watching you against you. I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. You sin before God long enough. Let me tell you something. God will kill you. God is still in the killing business. He will chasing you on to glory. If you are a Christian and if you don't know God, he'll chasing you on to hell. Here's another twist of this. Listen at this now. I'm going to give you the flip side of this. Even if you are not wrong. Now, Adam and Eve, they were just guilty and they were, they, they, they became sinners at that point. But you say, what, what about when I'm accused and folk are mad at me and they're disturbed at me? And I know I'm not, I know I didn't do nothing wrong. I, I, I know, I know I didn't do nothing wrong, but they're so mad at me. Even if you are not wrong and you have not sinned, for the person who's angry with you, for the sake of peace and reconciliation. Say reconciliation. Say peace. It's better to say I'm sorry rather than debate, argue, or defend yourself. Rather than debate, argue, huh, are you, I didn't do that. I'll tell you what, you know, this happened because of this. Why are you accusing me? Here's what, I mean, you just defend, you got your whole case outlined and the person, even if you didn't do it, to them, it's perceived that you, you did. And if that's going to settle them down to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, or what can I do to make this right or whatever? Listen, make amends as much as you can, because some folk, they're not going to be right. I don't care what you do. If Jesus was there trying to get right with them, they wouldn't get right. But as much as it depends on you, even if you hadn't done anything wrong, sometimes you need to say, there are times when you need to say, I'm sorry, just so that person can heal. That's right. And I'm talking to somebody who's getting, look how you, when it gets quiet like this, I know you're listening. That person needs some relief. That person needs to be settled down. And if, if, if saying I'm wrong, even if you know without a doubt you're not wrong, if that's going to help them to get out of bondage, to get out of anger, and to get out of bitterness, then for heaven's sake, say it for the sake of that other person's peace and their relationship with you to the glory of God. See, some of y'all professional fighters, you smooth talk, you know how to debate, and you know how to win the argument, and you just got to, got to, got to, got to have the last word, wife or husband, because you're the head of the house, and you wash her face. I'm the head of the house. You know what Pastor Draper said about marriage in the road. Get over yourself. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, it doesn't work that way. Let go of yourself. Stop debating. Stop arguing. Stop defending yourself. It's possible to win the argument but lose your brother. You, you not know that? You can win the argument and lose your marriage. You can win the argument and lose your child. 
You can win the argument and you can lose a member of the church and they go on down the street or perhaps they never go, go back to another church ever because you won and you wash their face with it and you walking around here like you a superstar and God is saying you make me sick. It's possible to win the argument but lose your brother or lose your sister. Number six, God's judgment always has a purpose. God doesn't say, I think I'm going to just happen to judge you. No, it always has a purpose. In the case of Adam and Eve, here's three purposes of God's judgment. A, the purpose of God's judgment upon Adam and Eve and even us today is to get them to return to God. The purpose of chastening is to get you back to God. Not to leave you out there just wandering and making a mess. God's judgment and chastening, it it is always with a purpose of bringing you back to God. Secondly, to realize his judgment is to help you realize how dangerous sin is and to run from it the next time. He spanks us so we can come to our spiritual senses and realize just how dangerous sin is and begin to run from it the next time we're in that situation. And thirdly, the purpose of God's judgment is for us to stay close to God. To stay close to God. You see, my friends, sin decreases as we seek to pursue intimacy with the Savior. Sin decreases as we pursue intimacy with the Savior. The closer you get to God, the less you sin, and the greater intimacy is cultivated with the Savior. But the further you get from God, don't read the word of God and don't pray, and you come to church maybe Mother's Day, Christmas, Father's Day, uh, funeral or wedding, then you find yourself sinning all over the place, depression, isolation, suicidal, and all of these things come as a, as a result of not having a closer walk with God. Do you begin to depend on alcohol and money and fulfillment through your jobs and pleasures of this world instead of allowing the intimacy with the heavenly father bringing you joy to the glory of God? And number seven, unlike man, the judgment of God is full of wisdom. The judgment of God is full of mercy. And the judgment of God is full of grace. In God's judgment, he's an all-wise God, is wisdom. He knows why he's whipping you. He knows how to whip you. huh? And he's doing it because he loves you to bring the best out of you. You see? So unlike man, the judgment of God is full of what? Wisdom, mercy, and grace. And in Genesis 3.15, God gave hope. In the midst of judgment in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman is Jesus Christ who would bring hope for sinners who desperately needed a savior. In conclusion, we have the freedom to choose to yield to temptation and give in to sin. However, the consequences of our choices are inevitable, incalculable, and totally up to God. You may choose to sin, but you don't get to choose the consequences. You don't even get to choose where your whipping going to occur. The question is often asked when a major tragedy happens, 
when there's a natural disaster, when there's terrorism, when there's mass shooting. Look, every week there's a mass shooting. When, when there's violence and war and conflict and strife and death, why would a loving God allow this to happen to us? When the 911 hit, why would God permit a 911? The answer is that God made us free, volitional creatures who are able to choose to obey or disobey and rebel against a loving God. As a result of Adam and Eve's original sin, the pattern was set and we will continue to experience tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, death after death after death until Jesus comes again. Adam and Eve only had one bad decision to make and a plethora of good choices, yet they chose to sin against a perfect God in a perfect environment with no sin nature, an act of their own will. Because they were free to choose to obey or rebel. They were not made little robots. Just like you're not. You you disobey God, it's because you choose to. You obey God, it's because it's an act of your will. It is not God's fault when anything happens to us. I'll, I'll repeat it again. Are you listening? It is not God's fault when anything happens to us. God didn't create this mess. Man created this condition. By sinning against God in the Garden of Eden, and when Adam and Eve fell, humanity fell because humanity was in Adam. But praise God that he provided the remedy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you thank God for the remedy? 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ the second Adam all shall be made alive. Gospel of John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That in Christ, you will never die. Physically, but never spiritually. The same question that God asked of Adam and Eve He's asking of you today. And allow me to look in your face and ask you the same question. Where are you? Where are you? You who are lost and know not the Savior, where are you? You who are full of yourselves and full of the pleasures of this world, where are you? You who are living in sin and rebellion against God, where are you today with your relationship with God? You who are strange from God, you are far from God, you are separated from, from a loving God, where are you? Some of you, everything about God is in the past tense. I used to go to church. I used to go to Sunday school. I used to do this for the Lord. I used to, do, and God is saying, where are you in your relationship with me? Now, and the same question he posed to Adam and Eve, he poses to us today. He did not ask the question because he did not know where Adam and Eve were physically. Oh, he knew exactly where they were because God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present and he's omniscient. That means he knows all. God, he was not the least bit confused. He was asking with regard to his relationship with the children he had made. I made you, Adam and Eve. Why are you hiding from me? You say you were naked. Who told you you were naked? I never brought up nakedness in all our relationship with you. 
Instead of running from God, run to Jesus. Now, those of you under my voice, you need to repent and come to Christ. Some of you are going in the wrong direction, the wrong direction. And God is saying, come home, come to Jesus right now. You don't know the day of your death. And when you come to Jesus, never let him go. When you come to Jesus, love him with all your heart. He will save you. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will cleanse you. Jesus will liberate you from the terrible consequences of sin. Some of you are in a mess that you made. But I know a Jesus who can clean up any mess that's been made because of our sin and arrogance and pride. Some of you... You're addicted to drugs. Some of you under my voice, you're addicted to pornography. Others of you, you're womanizing. Some of you are full of yourself. Some of you cuss too much. Some of you, you're buying lottery tickets when you don't even tithe. Where are you? Some of you have membership at Costco, membership at Sam. You, you, you enroll at Trinity and Sac and St. Phillips, but you have got a membership at the church. Jesus established his church for you. And why are you not a part of it? It's his church. You got to decide if you're going to be under a covering, under watch care, for someone to lovingly watch over your soul and keep you accountable, tell you when you're wrong. Where are you? Some of you out there, you've had premarital sex and you've been slipping and sliding and you know you're not married. God is saying, where are you? Where are you? Some of you, your thought life has been running wild. Oh, you haven't done it physically, but your mind, you already adultery, adulterer in your mind. And God is saying, come home, my child. Come home. And Father, we thank you for this message. We love you. We bless you. Father, may we learn from Adam and Eve. And may we be encouraged in the midst of judgment that there is hope in Christ, who is the seed of the woman. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.